0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today
1: with Byte. Hey, friends. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash show. To get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month, and you get access to daily commentary. And every week, we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash bpshow.
2: to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show.
1: So what if the man killed in the Saudi consulate had been a Christian pastor and not a journalist? Yeah, don't you think Donald Trump might be taking a different point of view? Might expressing a little more outrage than he does at the murder of a journalist? Just think about that question for a little bit, folks, and welcome uh, to The Bill Press Show on this big Friday. Yep, indeed. Friday, no, uh, Friday, October 19. Good to see you today, and thank you for being part of the program. The Bill Press Show, as always, coming to you live from Washington, D.C., in our studio on Capitol Hill, with all the news of the day, the latest on the uh, Khashoggi disappearance, murder, let's just call it that and uh, in the Saudi consulate in Istanbul. And now it looks like the uh, Saudis are uh, cooking up their story. They found somebody that they can blame it all on and saying he just misunderstood the crown prince's instructions and killed him instead of abducting him. That story probably coming out officially from the Saudis any day now. Meanwhile, Donald Trump says that caravan of immigrants coming from Honduras, Toward the U.S. border, they're now still in Guatemala, crossing over into Mexico. According to Donald Trump, they were paid for by the Democrats. Yep, George Soros gave all 4,000 of them money to make their way to the border. That's what we call fake news. Hey, hello, everybody. Again, good to have you with us. Look forward to hearing from you You're part of the program, of course, so the way that you make sure you're part of the program is to send us your comments on the news of the day on Twitter, at BP Show. But
2: first... This is the full court press.
3: Just a couple of other stories making news. Well, this is where we give you the update on the baseball scores last night, and we now know one team who will be going to the World Series. It is the Boston Red Sox. He fires, swinging a fly ball left field. Ben Intendi moving back, back toward the wall.
0: He reaches up, he makes the catch, and the Red Sox
3: have won the American League pennant for the 14th time in their history. So they will be going to the World Series. Well, they will face either the LA Dodgers or the Milwaukee Brewers that series resumes this evening. Dodgers are one win away from making it to the World Series. This is what Major League Baseball wants, by the way. They want LA uh, and absolutely. Boston, two major media yeah, markets.
1: Yeah. So, yes, well, the Red Sox really did show their stuff. Huh? They did. I mean, and
3: They had an yeah, amazing it, season. Yeah, I mean, they had yeah. a really so unbelievable much for the season.
1: Curse of the goat, right? Yeah,
3: I think yeah, I think we could just we could Send the the Red Sox curse uh, packet. By the way, there was baseball last night, as we just mentioned. There was also an NFL game, an NBA, mm-hmm. ga- several mm-hmm. NBA games, and NHL games. That is known as the sports equinox. There have been 18 days like this uh, where we have games from all the major sports uh, leagues. Not only that, Bill. Yeah. Last night there was also two college football games, and a major league soccer match between Real Salt Lake and New England. That is Whoa, a, that, that's a very, burst, huh? very yeah. rare equinox. In Whoa. fact, somebody pointed out it is only the second time in our sporting history that that has ever happened. Whoa. It happened back in 2009, weirdly enough. There, was, there were several NFL games, several NBA games, <coughs> a couple of NHL games. Those are World Series games game, and then also college football and Major League Soccer. That, so I,
1: It was an exciting day for me. I didn't, I mean, I, I've i been up all night. I didn't sleep yeah. all night. I had to watch a little bit of every one of those all games. All these
3: sports and you watched none of them, <laughs> right, is what I would guess. Uh, so, I mean, it's, four sports would be an equinox. What do we call six sports? It's, hexanox, I guess? I don't know. It's, it's so many different sports going on. A so, total eclipse or something. A total know. eclipse of the sports. Yes. You know. Yeah. So, uh, all that being said, again, uh, this might actually happen again this weekend, right? Because there's going to be more basketball, there's going to be more football, there's going to be more hockey, and we're going to have more baseball players. Will we have the
1: first game of the World Series this weekend? Uh, no, not this weekend, no, but you still right, have,
3: yeah. I mean, if the Brewers win, that series <laughs> is going to keep going, and right, that could right. happen on Sunday as well. Yeah, so.
1: yeah.
2: This is the Bill Press
1: Show. Big shouting match down at the White House between John Bolton and John Kelly over immigration. Three different sources say it really got nasty right outside the Oval Office. Profanities slamming through the halls and Donald Trump says he didn't hear a thing. (laughs) Oh, yeah. What do you say? Hello, everybody. Great to see you. Happy Friday. It is Friday, October 19. With uh, so much to talk about, we jump right into it here on The Bill Press Show with all of you. Great to have you with us this Friday. Round up the week, let you go into the weekend, but not before bringing you up to date. On all the big stories of the day, yes, indeed, still the number one story is the murder of a journalist, an American resident, uh, Jamal, let's not forget, Jamal Khashoggi, In the uh, Saudi consulate in Istanbul, no doubt about it, even the president admits now that he is probably, that he is dead uh, at the hands of the Saudis. But, of course, Donald Trump and uh, Mike Pompeo want to give them all the time they need to come up with a good, lame cover-up excuse. That's still the number one story. Getting close behind on the border. Uh, Donald Trump now so worried about the... uh, 4,000, supposedly up to 4,000 immigrants who are making their way north from Honduras toward the American border. They may not even get there, uh, but Donald Trump is already threatening to call out the military and take other steps to prevent their doing so, and even accusing Democrats. uh, Yes, this is freaking crazy, but he is freaking crazy. uh, Accusing Democrats of paying uh, these uh, refugees to come to the United States right at this time to disrupt the midterm elections. Uh, Yes, he said it. I didn't make it up. Uh, The big fight over that that spawned this big fight between John Kelly and uh, Josh Bolton outside the Oval Office yesterday. And uh, yet another um, cabinet member, not for the first time, yet another Trump cabinet member, Accused by the Inspector General of the Interior Department, we're talking about Ryan Zinke, of course, the Interior Secretary, of living high on the hog uh, with uh, travel and whatever at taxpayer expense for him and his wife, shades of Scott Pruitt. So much to talk about as we join you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Looking at you on Free Speech TV and on the radio statewide in Indiana on Indiana Talks and how about it? How you doing? Chicago, Chicago on WCPT. So, so good to have you with us, right? Indeed, you know, on the on the uh, starting back with the latest on the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. I keep wondering. What if Donald Trump's response is so bizarre, So first of all, so shocking, maybe not for Donald Trump, but that the president of the United States still hasn't found it fit? to condemn the Saudis for killing this journalist for in the most brutal possible way, uh, an American, maybe not an American citizen, but an American resident, a man who did nothing but write articles critical of the Saudi government, and the president of the United States still can, cannot find it in himself to condemn this in the strongest possible terms. And I keep wondering, what would his response be if this were um, a Christian pastor who just happened to be active or critical of the Saudi government. I think Donald Trump might, I think, I think it, he, we might see a different response. I think a lot of this is the fact that this is a journalist and he hates journalists. He considers them the enemy. He doesn't consider them uh, worthy, maybe, of his outrage. So uh, the latest is, again, Donald Trump now, and before he went out to Montana yesterday, he's on a three-day swing out in the West, before he went to Montana, he did admit to reporters that the evidence is now pretty clear that Mr. Khashoggi is no longer with us.
2: It certainly looks that way to me. It's very sad. It certainly looks that way.
1: In fact, it is very sad, of course. But the other thing that the president said yesterday before he left was that this, this event, this one, he said, has caught the imagination of the world Unfortunately.
3: Yeah, this was so weird.
1: Why, unfortunately? I mean, what Donald Trump is saying, God, it's too bad people found out about this.
3: Right. What, what's the unfortunate part? Oh yeah. Part?
1: Damn. No. What it should be is this one has caught the attention of the world. Fortunately.
3: Yeah. Maybe, like, unfortunately, to expose in what sense?
1: the Saudis for who they really are.
3: That that I think is what he believes is the unfortunate part. Yeah. Is that the we're now paying attention?
1: Is, oh man, now my buddy MBS, yeah. right and. And Jared Kushner's BB BFF. Uh, now he looks bad, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, and the president also said before he hopped on Marine One that um, we're going to find out about it and we're going to have something to say about it, but only after the Saudis do their whole thing to cover up.
2: We'll be making a statement, a very strong statement, but we're waiting for the results of about uh, three different investigations, and we should be able to get to the bottom fairly soon.
1: Yeah, we'll see how it sorts out. He said that before. We'll get to the bottom. Mike Pompeo, the same thing, met with the president in the Oval Office, came out to the driveway there in front of the West Wing and told reporters again, we told them that we take this very, very, very seriously.
3: We made clear to them that we take this matter with respect to Mr. Khashoggi very seriously. Uh, they made clear to me that they, too, understand the serious nature of the disappearance of Mr. Khashoggi.
1: Uh buddy indicated that they needed more time, and he said he and the president have agreed to give them all the time they need. Again, why? All the time they need to come up with a bogus explanation, uh, a cover-up, which we'll get to in just a second. Uh, Pompe- uh, Pompeo also um, was asked about... The tape, the tape that uh, Turkish intelligence picked up because Mr. Khashoggi apparently turned his I, uh, I, his uh, Apple watch on yeah. uh, as he walked into the consulate, and uh, that therefore recorded the entire torture, dismemberment, beheading, murder, the whole grisly thing, including the voices of some of the Saudis saying back and forth, one of them the consul general saying, get me out of here or do this somewhere else. And he was threatened uh, that he wouldn't return to Saudi Arabia alive if he didn't just shut up. The doctor, the forensic doctor, with the bone saw, suggesting that they put some music on. This would make them feel better as they cut up his body. That tape. uh, What about it, Mr. Secretary of State? Did you get to hear the tape?
3: I've heard no tape. I've seen no transcript. You know, just think about that for a second. As he's walking into the consulate, he, he thinks to himself, I should probably get a recording. I should probably try and figure out a way to record this, because who knows what could happen. And I don't want to speculate, because I don't know how they're hearing this tape. I don't know how he got it out there. I mean, I'm... Uh, but- well,
1: yeah. I think it's, uh, you know, uh, you go to Embassy Row here in Washington, D.C., your cell phone's not going to work, because there's right. so many listening devices. Sure. So we're listening in on them, they're listening in on us, yeah. and you know, in Turkey, the Turks are listening in. They've got they got stuff hidden in the walls, sure, probably. Sure, 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 yeah, sure, sure. In every, em- yeah. Yeah, in every embassy, right? Jeez. Uh And remember, also, uh, the Khashoggi, they had tried to get him to come back to Saudi Arabia on his own, uh, and he didn't trust them. He refused to do that. So in this case, they lured him into the consulate in Istanbul. He needed a document from them in order to get married in Turkey uh, to show that he had been divorced in Saudi Arabia. And he had come in before or at least contacted them before, two days before, and they said, no, it's not ready. You have to come in on October 2nd at 1.30 in the afternoon. And, of course, just before he walks in, the 15 goons from Istanbul arrive with the bone saw, all set up to take care of him and do the nasty deed. Uh, so there's that front. The other front is, and this is totally disgusting, you, knew, you got, got to, knew it was going to happen, just like Donald Trump smeared Stormy Daniels, smeared Christine Blasey Ford, smeared anybody who's criticized him, smeared, you know, go down the list, Nancy Pelosi, Maxine Waters, Elizabeth Warren, boom, 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 especially the women, uh, uh, Republicans on the Hill, Republican members of Congress, and the right-wing media is starting to smear and slime Jamal Khashoggi, Mark Levin, uh, conservative talk radio host, probably the worst in the world, without a doubt, without worst. a doubt, Absolute so bad, worst. And worst. I don't zero mean, zero talent, and I, yeah, I was gonna and say a voice that will drive you freaking crazy. It's like fingernails on the blackboard.
3: It's not just the stuff that he says that's so incendiary; it is that because yes, he says yes, it's very incendiary. Yes. He's just a no, <laughs> no. talent. Terrible radio broadcaster.
1: Absolutely, and we know them all. Yeah, right? Russell Limbaugh's got a lot of talent. Sure, Mark Levin, none. Anyhow, Mark Levin has said that uh, this is a guy he he says who ah uh, uh, a longtime friend. He called him a longtime friend of terrorists. Harris Faulkner on Fox News said he was a member of the Muslim Brotherhood. I mean, come on. Yeah. What? right. I mean, just. Give me a freaking break. Corey Stewart, running for Senate in Virginia, has gotten on board this now. He's out there running against Tim Kaine, talking about Khashoggi. Well, he was a bad guy anyhow, as if, as if that justifies what the Saudis did. Well, so this is one of their approaches. And by the way, the White House has said absolutely nothing about this. You know why? Because they love it. They love it. It, it justifies Donald Trump's silence on the issue that, of course, he's not going to speak out for a terrorist, right? That's the one approach. The other approach is, the New York Times front page reports this morning, it looks like the Saudis have come up with their uh, their cover-up, which is to blame uh, a general, the head of the security operation. He is General Ahmed al-Asiri, a high-ranking advisor to the crown prince. So the story looks like it's going to be what they're going to come out with officially is that the crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman, ordered the abduction of Khashoggi, but not his murder and the general misunderstood. Can you believe that? That's their official story. That, first of all, why the abduction? Why sending a a team of 15 people to abduct a journalist who's done nothing more than write a column that you don't like? And take him back to Saudi Arabia. For what purpose? To throw him in prison, probably. So it looks like they're going to say that the crown prince, yes, he ordered the abduction, but not the killing. Therefore, case closed. Nobody did anything wrong. And the general will probably lose his head or lose his job. Maybe. Maybe. And you know what? That's going to be enough to satisfy Donald Trump. you watch. That'll be enough to satisfy Donald Trump. It's too bad, Donald Trump will say, that this guy got his directions wrong. hmm Right. Uh, buy that, uh, and shame on you. Meanwhile, uh, Donald Trump is uh, more upset about what's happening uh, in Latin America than he is about what happened uh, in Turkey at the Saudi consulate, of course. There are now reportedly some 4,000 people refugees who have fled Honduras because of the violence there. Uh, They have come most of the way through Guatemala. The last time I heard, they were at the Mexican border waiting to deal with Mexican authorities to cross over from Guatemala into Mexico, uh, heading to the U.S. border. Donald Trump is so outraged by this, so incensed by this. He has threatened to um, send the military. First of all, he is, of course, attacking them. He say they're mostly criminals, I don't know whether you've seen any of the footage of these uh, people coming toward the border. There are a lot of kids, a lot of women, a lot of families. Uh, On what basis does Donald Trump say they're criminals? The same basis that he said that anybody coming in from Mexico are rapists and murderers, which he said, of course, in July 2015 when he announced for president. (coughs) Pardon me. Um, So he has said he's called them criminals. He has threatened... Uh, to uh, cut off any aid to Honduras or Guatemala if they don't stop them right away in their tracks. He has threatened to scuttle the brand new trade agreement that we just signed with Mexico. If Mexico doesn't stop them, just scuttle the whole thing. And he said he's going to send the military down to the border to close the border to prevent anybody else getting in. And as if that's not bad enough, he now says that they've been picking up on a total bogus rumor spread by a extreme right-wing member of Congress from Florida that these refugees were actually paid by Democrats, paid by George Soros. There he is, the boogeyman again. Paid by George Soros on behalf of Democrats to come up to the border right at this time in order to disrupt the midterm elections. That's the whole conspiracy theory on behalf of uh, Donald Trump. Uh, last night out in uh, Montana, uh, Donald Trump talked about um, the uh, of the sending the military to the border.
2: As you know, I'm willing to send the military to defend our southern border if necessary.
1: Yeah, crowd goes wild. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean,
3: look, th- there's something to be said about the right wing... Uh, hysteria over what's going on at the southern border, in the sense that Donald Trump knows that that's something that they just eat up with a spoon, and from yeah. a pure, I mean, it's it's insane, right? It's it's pretty insane. And I don't that, know that Democrats' been his
1: mo from the very again, yeah. that's how he started his campaign. let's right. not forget calling right. immigrants rapists and murderers. And so
3: we have this horrifying story in Saudi Arabia, are <laughs> surrounding uh, Jamal Khashoggi, uh, most. Republicans just don't care about that story. But you know what they do care about? The border. The alleged uh, crisis at the border. So this is something that he can talk about.
1: Brown people coming into the country.
3: No, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. And so he doesn't have to talk about the severe human rights violations that are going on uh, with regards to this journalist. He can talk about this and his base will just love it.
1: Love it. Love Love it. it. Yeah. And so they were discussing yesterday at the uh, Oval, in the Oval Office uh, what to do about this and whether or not they should be sending in the military, which, according to three different sources, so we know it happened, um, ended up in a shouting match between John Bolton and John Kelly. Uh, outside of the Oval Office, apparently, they were screaming at each other, shouting profanities. They said any time Kelly gets in a fight, there's, there their FDF bombers all over the place. Uh, people had never heard anything like this. Donald Trump denies here knowing anything about it, which is a big lie, right? Of I mean, course I'd, it is. I've been in the Oval Office and around the Oval Office. It's not that soundproof out there. And the two of them are screaming at each other. Everybody else is just standing back saying, oh, my God. And the, but here's, here's what's what's, out, what's incredible about this. They're, they were fighting over how tough to be at the border, and John Bolton and Donald Trump were both claiming that Kirsten Nielsen, the HH, uh, DHS secretary, Department of Homeland Security, had not been tough enough on the border, and that's why these refugees were coming across. Now, think about that. God Think almighty. about that. This is a woman— who put the policy in place to rip kids away from their parents, to rip that one baby. She was suckling this baby, breastfeeding, and they ripped the baby. Out of the, this is her policy. Not tough this, enough. This is a woman who put kids in cages. Not tough enough. Not tough enough. that That's what they were arguing about. John, now, she used to work for John Kelly, so John Kelly's defending her and Bolton. Had been saying in front of the president, and when they get outside the Oval Office, Kelly turned on Bolton and said, "How dare you say that Kirsten Nielsen is not tough enough?" So now people are saying, "Which one's going to resign?" This is my yeah. favorite. I
3: saw the, yeah. this, yeah. this outrage. Kelly's never going
1: to resign. He's no. a wuss.
3: I love that it's it was like wuss. I saw a headline yesterday that said that talked about this. Said that they were they they had a shouting match, sparking resignation fears. I'm thinking, yeah. "Oh no, please don't resign." Oh both yeah, of you. Oh, oh, gosh. Yeah. No, that would be horrible if yeah. both of them resigned. Yeah, that's <laughs> stupid
1: at any rate. But just the idea of the, the, I, the two of them out there <laughs> um, with, with, this, with this shouting match, right? I, I'd love to have heard that. I'd, I wish Oh, we, man. I wish we had the tape of that. Yeah, indeed. Oh, man. What else was Donald Trump up to yesterday? Well, a couple of things uh, before he went out to Montana. Also, Donald Trump had a little cabinet meeting. He made a great big deal over this. He said, uh, here we. you know, there was that big word about the uh, deficit last week. It is a record high, so we're going to do something about it. Donald Trump said we are going to, everybody here, I'm giving the orders right now, everybody, you've got to cut your spending across the board 5%, everybody, 5%. What a joke. What a total joke. Please don't fall for that. Let me just say it. I'll, I may have told you this story before. So um, at one time, I worked for... Governor Jerry Brown, his first time around, Uh, very proud of that. It's a great four years working for Jerry Brown. I had the honor of being named the head of the Office of Planning and Research, which is a government agency, relatively small, in the governor's office, part of the governor's office, 120 people we had, between 100 and 120 people. And I remember when Prop 13 passed, and we had our first cabinet meeting after that, and I was there, of course, and the governor said, okay, I want everybody to cut across the board, across the board, 10%. I was stunned, seriously. I was so naive. I went back to my office almost in tears, and I called my uh, financial guy in, the guy who took care of the, 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 the budget. I couldn't. And I said, you're not going to believe this. I just feel so badly about this. We're going to have to cut 10%. You know, you're going to have to come up with this plan and everything. And he just laughed. And I said, this is not funny. Oh, these people are going to lose their jobs. And he said, are you kidding me? 10%? He said, you won't even notice it. (laughs) Yeah. He said, you know, it just means we don't fill a position here, maybe, right? Or we don't. We were a different brand of coffee. I mean, it was just silly stuff, right? Yeah. Well, well, think about 5%. 5%. Yeah. It was true. 10%. Any agency (laughs) could easily cut 10%, 15% and not notice it. There's that much fat in government, which reminds us that the Pentagon, as one of our guests told us the other day, has never in its history had an audit. Think about the waste in the freaking Pentagon. And we keep giving them more and more billions. So that that little thing Donald Trump did yesterday. Uh, And the other thing is he's got himself involved. He may not have time. To dig into what really happened to Jamal Khashoggi, but boy, he's got time to get involved in a real estate spat on on Pennsylvania Avenue. This is wild. Yeah, this is his number one priority right now. So just up the str- across the street, just up the street is the FBI headquarters, and it's an old building, and it's kind of not exactly falling down, but uh, they need they need a new headquarters. Uh, <laughs> well, the FBI wants to move its headquarters off of Pennsylvania Avenue. I don't know, you know, somewhere. The CIA is out in Virginia. Uh, Department of Homeland Security is up in the upper Northwest. Most of the buildings are around the mall, around the White House, but they want to move somewhere. Uh, and the developer of that property said, "Oh, this is good. We'll, we'll buy that property, and we'll put up a big mixed-use building, including a hotel." Which would be right across the street from Donald Trump's, the Trump International Hotel. So uh, Donald Trump, it turns out, first of all, he denied having any knowledge of this whole spat. Now emails have come out showing that Donald Trump personally intervened with the Government Services Agency, the GSA, which has yours, which is the landlord of the federal government, and told them, no, 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 you will not move the FBI building because I do not want another hotel across the street from my hotel or up the street from my hotel. I don't want any competition to the Trump International Hotel. Boy, it's good thing he's got his priorities straight. Yeah, man. It? You know? Yeah. You know, Let, let's let's identify, prioritize, identify the most important issues and take care of those. Right? You know, nothing more important than the bottom line Right, Donald Trump.
3: There, there's always a fascinating thing that happens when a president leaves office where they show, like, this is what the president looked like when they came into office. This is what they look like when they leave office. And they look like they've aged about 20 years, right? Mm-hmm. This is not going to be the case with Donald Trump. Oh, no. No. He's going to look the same, if not better, <laughs> when he leaves as he did when he came in because he doesn't worry about things like, you know, war or. One of our allies murdering an innocent civilian in cold blood. He just doesn't worry about that stuff. He worries about petty business fights.
1: But competition. Yeah. Across the street from another hotel. That he's got time mm-hmm. to worry about. Yeah. But
3: that's not- the stuff he always worries
1: yeah. about. We're not going to let that happen. Right. Uh. Uh-uh. So then he gets out to Montana. Boy, what a zinger of a rally again last night. Of course, uh, he takes on. He was there uh, uh, in support of whoever's running against John Tester, who's going to lose. Uh, And he has to take a whack at John Tester. Uh, And, of course, the Democratic Party is not just the other party. It's the mob.
2: The Democrats have truly turned into an angry mob (laughs) bent on destroying anything or anyone in their path. And your senator is one of them. Let me tell you, your senator
3: (laughs) is disgraced for what he did.
1: Oh, yeah. That's how I think of John Tester. I think of him as part of the mob. Mm -hmm. Right.
3: Very, very moderate Democrat not a, you know, hyper partisan guy.
1: It's ridiculous. Yeah. He also took off after a, a couple of Democrats, a potential. Remember, all these rallies, we've t- said this before, all these rallies that we're seeing Donald Trump do, they're all about him in 2020. In fact, he has said, "Pretend I'm on the ballot." That's how that's what uh, that that's when you vote. "Pretend I'm on the ballot." Uh, so he's he's going after a couple of potential uh, competitors in 2020, Elizabeth Warren.
2: The only good thing she did, I think she probably disqualified because she made a fool out of herself. But I think the only good thing she did, I can't call her Pocahontas anymore.
1: Uh huh, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> uh And uh, Joe Biden, yeah, he's out there. Remember when Joe Biden said they would like to take it behind the woodshed?
2: So he challenges me to a fight, and it's fine. I said he shouldn't do that because I'd take him down so fast. And they said, "What a vicious statement made! How vicious!" He's talking about fighting. What a vicious! Th- Do you believe this? That's why it's the fake news.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, this sounds, speech sound awfully familiar. We haven't we heard this before? Somebody has a story this morning. I read that every every speech, it's the same same phrases, same words that he yeah. used in 2016. I, I think he is he, not.
3: I think he's he still fighting knows, the
1: 2016 campaign.
3: Donald Trump, I think, only knows about 25 words.
1: Yeah. And he
3: just sort of uses them in like a Mad Libs scenario, just puts them here and there.
1: Yeah. And again, the idiots in the audience just eat it up. Uh, And remember, uh, there was this uh, congressman uh, now who did get elected. Uh, It was like the night before or two nights before his election where a reporter just asked him a question and he attacked the reporter, actually violently attacked the reporter. Donald Trump praised him for it last night.
2: By the way, never wrestle him. You Mm -hmm. understand that? Never. Never. Any guy that can do a body slam, he's my kind.
1: Yeah, this is the same guy who told his crowd in 2016, "Yeah, you beat up these protesters. Don't worry about it. I'll pay your legal fees." Yeah, here we are, the president of the United States praising a guy who slugged a reporter. Um, yeah, and this is the same guy, by the way, who, of course, back to where we started will not say anything up against Saudi Arabia for murdering a reporter. I told you, getting bad, getting worse every day. Nahal, Nahal Tuzi from Politico has been very much on top of the Khashoggi story from the very beginning. She joins us in studio next, so don't go away. Quick break, we'll be right back. And again, looking forward to hearing from you. Your comments on the news of the day on Twitter, at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show. On a Friday, how about it? Friday, October 19. Uh, I know I'm not usually here on Friday, but uh, there's just so much news going on. And I love you so much. I couldn't stay away this Friday. And we are here in our studio on Capitol Hill, reaching out to you uh, coast to coast, uh, thanks to the good support of the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. Under President Jim Hoffa, we all live better because of the members of the uh, Teamsters Union. Check out their website at Teamster.org. Following the uh, Jamal Khashoggi story for Politico, foreign affairs correspondent Nahal Tuzzi, who joins us uh, in studio. That's been really preoccupying our time and yours. Nahal, good to see you.
4: Good to be here.
1: So uh, Donald Trump uh, meets with uh, Mike Pompeo yesterday. Uh, Pompeo comes out basically and says, we take this very seriously but the Saudis need more time, and we're going to give them all the time they need to get to the bottom of this. Is Think- that his way of saying we'll give them all the more time to cook up some cover up story?
4: Uh, it's been pretty pretty amazing how like open the Americans and the Saudis have been <laughs> through their leaks or even some of their public statements, you know, about this desire to come up with something that everybody can agree on and which is a mutually
1: agreeable explanation.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's like... And, and it's almost as if they're, like, you know, throw, throwing these trial balloons out in the press just to see what'll fly, uh, even as, you know, our own intelligence services are increasingly convinced that the Saudi crown prince was involved uh, in this operation that ended up killing uh, Mr. Khashoggi. Uh, and so it's a very, like, it's just... I, I can't imagine Mike Pompeo was comfortable coming out there and literally saying they need a few more days. Like a few more days for what? It's been like more than two weeks. Yeah, seriously, they still don't know what happened yet. I thought this was like a you know like an absolute monarchy. I thought these guys had control. What's going on? And if and if they don't, then seriously, what's going on?
1: Uh, and by the way, uh, this happened in their consulate with their people and nobody else around, right? Mm-hmm. So you know why can't they again, as you point out, why can't they immediately know what what happened? But aren't we sort of stuck between believing the Turks and believing the so- or believing the Saudis,
4: uh, or believing the United States? to Or some believing extent. the United
1: States? Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> I mean, because the Turks are. Let's face it: when it comes to uh, you know the free press, freedom of the press, right, and right. and full transparency, they're not very high on the list either.
4: That's correct, especially in the last few years, and their relationship with the U.S. isn't that great, and their relationship with the Saudis isn't that great. I think one thing that's important to remember, though, is like while Jamal Khashoggi has been kind of called, you know, a a dissident journalist and columnist in the Western press, which he was— um, he's not necessarily viewed that way in Saudi Arabia or even necessarily in Turkey. I mean, they kind of see him more as a political actor. Uh, and he was very close to Erdogan, and he was very close to Erdogan's uh, uh, President Erdogan of Turkey. Yeah. And he was close to Erdogan's political party. Uh, so, you know, in a way, I think this actually, when President Erdogan looks at this, he doesn't necessarily think, oh, press freedom. He's thinking, hey, uh. this is a guy I knew this is a friend of mine, and frankly, like I don't want this sort of thing happening on my territory, unless I sign off on it. Right. Uh, so.
1: <laughs> now, to what extent you, you indicated our intelligence agencies seem more and more convinced, from what we've, what's been re- you've reported and others, that the crown prince himself uh, was involved or knew what was going on, maybe even gave the orders. Uh, they deny it, and the New York Times reports this morning that. They've decided there's a scapegoat now. They've identified this general, um, Ahmed al-Asiri, that um, he was told by the crown prince to go get this guy and bring him back to Saudi Arabia, and he misunderstood, uh, and he got it wrong, and he thought he was supposed to go kill him. Really? That we're supposed to believe this story?
4: Well, I think perhaps if they were to adjust the story slightly... (laughs) Uh, you know, like saying... Oh,
1: they, they've got time. We've got them time. <laughs> they've got time to adjust us slightly. But
4: like, like they could say, look, like, he was told to capture this guy and bring him back. Um, but things went wrong. Uh, you know, he was going to drug him. And I don't know. I'm just making this up. But, like, maybe the guy had an allergy uh, to the drug. Maybe he had a heart attack. So and they then, cut off
1: his fingers and dismember his body?
4: I... You know, I mean, I don't know the answer to that, but, but, but look again, like you know, the some of again, the some of the sourcing on this are the Turks, and they haven't released this audio publicly. Uh, it's, it seems like it's it would be a weird thing for them to make up and put out there so publicly, but
1: to me, the flaw in the ointment, if you will, what is is the bo- bone saw, the bone, you saw. know. If you're gonna abduct somebody, why do you show up with a forensic doctor and the bone saw?
4: Um, I'm honestly trying to come up with potential explanations here, and you can't, blanking. You can't, I, right? I, so, I suppose you could have used any any kind of saw, really.
1: <laughs> but he had a bone saw with him. Maybe
4: a, it was just to cut off one finger. I look. This is like you. What's frustrating about this is that this is this is a very sad situation, and. It's it's, you know, as a journalist, I, as an admirer of The Washington Post, I mean, this is like something you never, it, ever want to hear about. It, it, but it's becoming like the, the way that both all three sides are handling this. It's, tra- you know, tra- transitioning into like a farce almost like this it, is getting to the point of ridiculousness. It
1: is. But it, and it's unthinkable that the, the that the reaction would not be clear and immediate and strong and condemnatory and just out- outrage it right it was it was and nearly instead, a week it was it nearly a week this-
4: before the secretary of state said anything about this it was i mean and then when they finally the state department starts talking about it they the, the, for days they're like well we just need more information we don't know all the facts yet and it was like well don't you guys have an entire intelligence apparatus that is designed to get you the facts? It's been days. And then when they have, you know, when they when they put their uh, readouts of the meetings between Pompeo and Saudi officials and others, this is not even the only thing that supposedly was discussed. You know, they talked about Syria. They talked about bilateral issues. They talked about Andrew Brunson. And it's like, wait, I, I thought that the president sent the secretary to handle this issue. And when you bury this issue in some you know in certain cases in these sorts of public statements, it just means you're not giving it the kind of priority that a lot of people expect you to give it. And one more thing, I mean one of the fascinating things about diplomacy is the words they use, right? Now, the State Department, when it says it's concerned some about something, really it's not doesn't really care that much, okay? But when it says it's deeply concerned about something, I mean they use hmm. that adverb specifically. Right. It means, okay, yeah, we're a little bit worried about this. The State Department has not used that adverb yet. They're sticking to concerned. And
1: uh, I don't think they are deeply concerned. Also, I'm not one of these ones who said, you know, body language and chemistry and everything. It, it, it means that much. But I do have to say, when you see the video of Pompeo greeting Mohammed bin Salman in, in Riyadh, it didn't look like he was, had, was there on a very serious mission. Uh, as you pointed out, the grip and grin was right out of a political handbook, right? I mean, they and, look like the best of friends.
4: There are some people who are saying this This is going to go down like the way that the Runsfeld saddam picture went down, you know, this type of historical embarrassment for the Secretary of State. I think it was very striking because, look, he didn't have to do any of these things. Like, frankly, they didn't even have to have a photo op. And, and even when they did, he could have just been kept it real quiet, real stern, no smile necessary. Right, right. He, so which makes me no, think that's a this good was point. intentional. Why do
1: the phony photo op in the first place? Why sit there with a, as if it were just a normal diplomatic meeting with the with the crown prince and have all the reporters in and, and they're yucking it up with each other, right? I mean, instead, you could have said, no, this is a serious and Just go right into the royal palace behind closed doors. And read him the Riot Act.
4: I mean, it, this it, it sends it sends a signal, and I, and I this is the thing I, I I'm increasingly just apt to believe that this was intentional. He did this intentional, intentionally because even if he had a strict message behind the scenes, you know, you're he, saying
1: the Secretary of State did correct. this intentionally. Yeah,
4: I think I think Pompeo was trying to send almost a mixed message to the Saudis. You know, in public, hey, yeah, we're still going to be friends no matter what, but in private. You know, supposedly there was some report based on one source claiming that, you know, Pompeo was really strict with him behind the scenes. But what I think that this administration often fails to understand when it comes to diplomacy is, frankly, like pu- what you do in public matters as much, if not a heck of a lot more than what you do in private. Mm-hmm.
1: So the day at the very day that Pompeo arrives in Riyadh, uh, a check for one hundred million dollars from the Saudis arrives in Foggy Bottom Correct. to help ease the situation. Um, rebuild stability inside of Syria. Uh, pure coincidence.
4: Look, it's possible this was coincidence. I mean, this they had promised this money quite a while back. Um, this is about, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, it's about Syria stabilization. Yeah. Um, I do think there is a sense that the Saudis have that if they can just pay their way through some of these things, they can keep the U.S. on their side. And frankly. When they first announced that this money was going to be coming several weeks or months ago, it was right around the same time when Mike Pompeo was looking at whether or not to certify that the U.S. should still continue to support the Saudis in Yemen. And that was one of those things where you're like, huh, okay, so he's going through this decision and the Saudis have suddenly promised all this money and the UAE too. Um, And, you know... I don't know. It's hard to say. It could be could be more coincidence than causation, but it doesn't look that great.
1: Well, it sort of ties into the very Donald Trump's very first response to this whole murder was which was, oh, God, we can't piss off the Saudis because they're going to buy one hundred and ten billion. They promised to buy one hundred and ten billion dollars worth of U.S. arms.
4: But can I can I just say one thing about this? Look, frankly, that was refreshingly honest. I mean, You, I can assure you that there are uh, past U.S. presidents who have had very similar thoughts, Democratic or Republican. They just haven't said them out loud. Yeah. But here's a president saying what he actually thinks. It was like, wow, okay. I mean, you have to almost give the guy a little respect for that, you know?
1: I don't. No, I I know what you mean. Other presidents have done it too. It was wrong for them and it's wrong for him. Basically, he's saying we care more about Money for Donald Trump. It's always about the money, right? Then murdering a journalist and dismembering his body. I mean, not even that would be enough to condemn them. If as long as they are buying our arms,
4: you no, know. I, and I think one of the one of the things Donald about Trump it, though, always
1: says things out loud <laughs> that other people say privately, right? But that doesn't mean I have to say, "Good for you, Donald." Yeah, I love you. No.
4: But if he were to suddenly like be you know, less than less than candid, we would be confused. Right. I mean, this is the way Trump is. He does say things. And I think that's one of the reasons he has a lot of support. People feel like, you know, he's at least honest with them. He's at least straight up with them. My one thing that the one thing I will say about this claim about one hundred and ten billion dollar Arms sales, it's is it's wildly over inflated. These yeah, are like yeah, promises yeah. like we might one day down the line buy, you know. Right. I mean, in terms of the number agreed to actually that's been paid, it's significantly lower.
1: Uh, the last number I saw was fourteen and a half billion, which yeah, is still it's a, a lot of money, but there. it's far from far from one hundred and ten. Mm-hmm. So to what extent now so there we know, because Donald Trump has said this, that the money we're getting from Saudi Arabia is influencing his response to the murder of Jamal Khashoggi, to what extent is the money that Donald Trump has always, money deals that he has always made with Saudi Arabia, influencing his decision-making? You know, I don't have to tell you about selling his yacht to a Saudi prince, selling the Plaza Hotel, condos. Peter, we had that, uh, I, I don't know, It's yesterday, about back in 2015, running for president, he actually... Ragged about how much he loved the Saudis because they were paying him so much money for his condominiums, right? Right. And we know, here here he is, yeah.
2: Saudi Arabia, and I get along great with all of them. They buy apartments from me, they spend $40 million, $50 million. Am I supposed to dislike them? I like them very much.
1: I like them very much, yeah. And now, he might add, they spend a lot of money in my hotel in Washington, D.C.
4: Um... I don't know what level of influence this is having on him. I do know that last night, or just I feel, I'm, lo- I'm losing my time. Like, it's so hard to keep up with days and time, you know, hours this, this week. Um, but he told uh, in one interview, um, you know, he was talking about how it, it seems like the Khashoggi case. Has captured the imagination of the world, unfortunately. Unfortunately, right. we talked about the Wallace. Yes,
1: unfortunately. So look. That's the, a strange use of that word.
4: But again, it goes to the way Trump operates, right? He cares about the money, right? But he also cares about image and publicity. And he's finally starting to realize oh my God, like, People care about this issue. This isn't just going to blow over, like, the war in Yemen or, you know, the, the rift with Qatar that the Saudis have been pursuing. I mean, he's, it's starting to dawn on him that this is actually a public relations disaster. And so the question for me is which one's going to weigh more on him, the money or, or other factors? I mean, it's not just the money. There's also national security concerns. There's also Iran. There's some legitimate stuff. I mean, a lot of legitimate stuff here. Um, or is it going to be like, this is making me look bad? Uh, and so the question is, how, are they going to distance themselves from the crown prince? Is he going to say, you know, maybe there should be another type of succession in Saudi Arabia? I mean, there's any number of ways that this could go. But I do think the administration in general, the president on down, wildly underestimated how big of a deal this was going to become. They, they took so long to even say anything and now they're like, "Oh my gosh, this is this actually kind of matters."
1: So, what could the United States do, and what should the United States do?
4: I mean, I'm not going to give advice on what they should do, uh, but
1: what might they do?
4: L- look, you could issue sanctions. Right there are uh, there are tools now in our laws that let us sanction people, individuals, because of human rights concerns. They could sanction all 15 of these, or 14 if the reports about the car crash are correct. Uh, of these Saudis, yeah,
1: that's right. Uh, that, that's, <laughs> we haven't mentioned that, but one of the fifteen just happened to be killed in a car crash. Reportedly, once, once he got reportedly once he got back to Saudi Arabia, right. right? I mean,
4: so they could they could issue sanctions on on those <clears throat> individuals. They could um, halt some arms sales for a while. They well, I would say they could withdraw the ambassador, but we have no ambassador in Saudi Arabia. We have Arabia. no ambassador, right? But they could withdraw the the top official there. Um, they they could do might these we steps. say
1: and you hint, hinted this because I've heard people suggest this. Uh, okay, look, we're going to continue our relationship, but you got to dump the crown prince. We keep the relationship with the king. You got to get somebody else in there to 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 be the heir apparent. They might. We could not make that demand, but maybe we could suggest strongly that they have to do this.
4: Or you know you could be like well. How many other sons do you have and how much do you like them, King Salman? Um, look, the Saudis don't don't really care for that sort of interference from anyone on the outside. I mean, the this, this succession stuff is really like an internal issue for the Saudis. Um, but, I, you know, it's possible that if the U.S. Set, talks in a particular way that the king might reconsider. You know, but, but by all accounts, I mean, this is his favorite son, the crown prince. And King Salman is older. He's um his health is not that great from everything we're hearing. So, it, And and the crown prince has kind of gotten rid of a number of his oh, opponents. Y- so it's a question of who's left. Now, one thing that's possible, though, is maybe if the Saudis were at the insistence of the U.S. or whoever, were to say, look, we're going to free like all these activists and these other journalists and dissidents that we have in prison, because there's so many more mm-hmm. who have been affected by this beyond Jamal Khashoggi. Um, and maybe if they were to take steps like that, that would appease a lot of people, especially in Congress.
1: Uh, does Jared Kushner survive this?
4: Jared Kushner is President Trump's son-in-law. He's he's not going anywhere.
1: He's our crown prince, isn't he? Um, <laughs> he is you a young it, man
4: who what, works what, in the White what House. When you think about it,
1: what other title would he have? I mean, he's where he is only because, as you said... He's Donald Trump's son. He married Ivanka.
4: You know he has.
1: He has otherwise zero qualifications for being where he is.
4: But again, you know, he has managed to pull some things off. I mean, what? the the president's first overseas trip to Saudi Arabia, elsewhere, and elsewhere. He's apparently still working on this Middle East peace plan. Um, there was something else that just recently happened. I can't like I can't even remember what it was, but you know, th-
1: the Mexican trade deal.
4: Yeah, that's what it was. Jared well, that was a got great lot success.
1: Of... But by, by the way, which is totally nothing because Congress has to approve it. I mean, so it's totally meaningless. Just like the peace plan, which we've never seen, is totally meaningless. Just like that tr- first trip to Saudi Arabia, what did we get out of it? We got a deal where Donald Trump basically said, you buy, you agree to buy $110 billion in weapons, and we we will agree to look the other way for all your human rights abuses, including now, wink, wink, Murdering Jamal Khashoggi.
4: Well, I think that when it comes to Jared, you know, he perhaps one of the things that a lot of people in the administration kind of one of the errors they made from the beginning was they came in, including Jared and others, and they just thought, you know what, we're smarter than everyone else in the government. And instead of ever, ever, well, this is the thing, but instead of actually turning to this vast Apparatus of everything from intelligence to serious expertise—they kind of didn't. And yeah. maybe now, you know, they'll be like, "Huh, you know what? Maybe we should pay a little more attention to these civil servants, these foreign service officers who, who actually like know every single town in Saudi Arabia." And it, it's
1: no way, Nahal, that that's going to happen. You know it. No way that's going to happen. I don't know it. We've I don't danced know it. around this war. I do. We, yes, we do. We've danced around this war in Yemen. Why aren't we why is it that suddenly we're spending all this time talking about one man and not the tens of thousands who've been killed in Yemen by just indiscriminate Saudi bombing, including kids, families? I mean, wow. this is this is bin Salmon's war, right? This is the Crown Prince's war.
4: There are multiple wars in Yemen right now. One yeah. or two of them belong to the to the Crown Prince and to the Houthis and to the Iranians. Um why are we not paying attention to that as opposed to Jamal Khashoggi? Well, look honestly, like Jamal Khashoggi was a known name. He was connected to a prominent newspaper. He was a single person in terms of living sometime, in the United States. Living in the U.S., his what happened to him was especially grisly. Um, allegedly, uh, he um, he. The foreign policy establishment in this town knows Jamal. I mean, this is the yeah. thing you have to understand. A lot yeah. of people feel personally very angry over this, uh, and that's different. And, and sometimes, just having a single person and a single face captures the public imagination yeah. way more than saying forty kids that you, you know, yeah. whose faces you don't even know died or blown in air. On the bus,
1: right? No, I, I, you're right. You're right. And I, it is under. We, you can understand why this captures the attention more, but. Uh, it's just a reminder that uh, the Saudis have been up to a lot of bad stuff, right, that maybe we just look the other way. And this, with. in a
4: way, could be like kind of the straw that broke the camel's back.
1: One hopes. One hopes so. All right. Keep up the good reporting. Thank you so much for coming in today. Thanks right. for having me. Saw you on MSNBC yesterday. It's nice to have you here today. Nahal Tuzi from Politico. Politico.com.
2: This is
1: And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support.
2: Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show.
1: Yes, indeed. If, if Jamar Khashoggi had been a Christian pastor, don't you think Donald Trump might have said something about it a little before and maybe say something stronger about it? But it happened to be a journalist, and who cares about a journalist? Donald Trump doesn't. Hey, hello, everybody. What do you say? Great to see you today. Thank you for joining us here, the Bill Press Show, on a Friday. Yes, a Friday, October 19, with all the news of the day coming to you live from Washington, D.C. in our studio on Capitol Hill. Uh, the latest on the Khashoggi murder and the Saudi cover-up. The latest on Donald Trump out in Montana yesterday, um, making it again all about himself uh, and even praising a congressman from Montana who slammed... Uh, an attack at a journalist uh, for Donald Trump, um, that means he's his kind of guy. And Ryan Zinke, Secretary of the Interior, just the latest cabinet member of Donald Trump to be caught dipping his hand into the cookie jar at taxpayers' expense. Meanwhile, some 4,000 people reportedly headed toward the U.S. border, and Donald Trump is ready to call out the U.S. Marines to stop him at the border. Rebecca Entralgo covers uh, immigration issues for Think Progress and joins us here in the studio. Hi, Rebecca. Hi. It's good to see you. Good to see you as well. Yeah. The uh, hordes are coming, right? Yeah. I know we yeah. Well, they
5: haven't even reached Mexico yet.
1: I know. So, yeah. so uh,
5: I think he's been a little bit on the defensive. And that's so. a,
1: still a long way to go.
5: Yeah, but. it's it's it'll be probably a couple weeks. I mean, you have to you know realize that people are coming on foot. They're taking buses. It's yeah. a very long time coming from Honduras. So, you know, this is he's being a little bit premature here. Uh, okay. You know.
1: Hold that thought because yeah. we're going yeah, to go we'll get into that, uh, and with all of you as well. And look forward to getting your comments on anything we've been talking about—this uh, new crisis invented by Donald Trump at the border, the Kashoggi matter, or the Ryan Zinke matter, or whatever. Send us your comments on Twitter at BP Show, and we'll jump right into it with Rebecca Intargo from Think Progress. But first. This is the full court press.
3: Just a couple of other stories making news. You know, the human brain is a fascinating thing. Just ask Hannah Jenkins. She is a British woman who is also an avid. Just cy- ask me. I mean, my brain. Just ask Donald You have uh, the biggest brain. The right. human brain. Yes. <laughs> Hannah Jenkins is a British woman. She uh, loves to ride her bike. She's a cyclist. She was riding her bike, and she collided with another cyclist, and she hit her head. And she's okay, she's fine, except here's the thing. She can no longer speak English, she can only speak German. She doesn't remember how to speak English. Now she spoke German when she was a child, and the only thing that she can remember now is how to speak German. No. Is that crazy? That is real. What? Weird. Isn't that
5: like when Madonna fell off the horse and, like, she said she she started speaking in a British accent?
3: Yeah, well, this is... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. That explains it. Well, like, this is... I've, I've heard stories like this before, right? Like, if you know, like, a couple of different languages fluently, if you suffer an injury sometimes specifically to the brain, you mm. might just forget how to speak one of them. And so her husband Whoa. received this text from her that was all in German. Oh my God! I hope he speaks German. Well, he doesn't. And that's, oh no! That's part of the problem. So she's having to relearn how to speak English. Mm. Anyway, she's fine otherwise. She's just uh, you know forgot how to speak her language. By the way, Bill, did you buy your Mega Millions ticket? Are you kidding? <laughs> big, what? big, big, Why? big. How big is it? Big, big, big drawing today. The Mega Millions lottery is getting, I I kid you not, it's getting close to a billion dollars. A billion friggin' dollars. This is now the second largest lottery in U.S. history. Again, it could get bigger uh, before the drawing tonight. Uh, the winnings right now are at nine hundred seventy million dollars for the Mega Millions jackpot, and this is, of course, it all has to do with how many people. You buy also have
1: Powerball too, because you nobody have Powerball. won Powerball on Wednesday. Okay, here's my advice to all of you: yeah. <laughs> Don't buy any ticket because.
3: <laughs> oh, you got yours.
1: I have the winning ticket. I have the win. winning Powerball ticket, and I have the winning Mega Millions <laughs> ticket. I bought one of each yesterday. <laughs> it's all you need.
5: Good investment.
3: Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show.
1: Yep, a big shouting match outside the Oval Office yesterday. John Bolton and John Kelly going, getting right to it. People thought they might end up punching each other, arguing over uh, what to do about 4,000 people reportedly heading for the U.S. border. Donald Trump says he never heard anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you believe that. Mm-hmm. Hey, hello, everybody. What do you say? Happy Friday. It is a Friday, October 19. So good to see you today, and it's good to have you part of the program as we reach out to you from our studio on Capitol Hill here in the nation's capital, um, the capital of the free world, and we are joining you everywhere you are in this great land of ours, in fact, all around the globe, online on YouTube, youtube.com slash Show. Joining you on Free Speech TV as well and on the radio, WCPT. Hello, 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 all you WCPTers out there in Chicago and the greater Chicago area. Good to have you with us today with uh, lots to talk about. Yes, indeed, Donald Trump may not be too uh, eager to talk about uh, the murder of Jamal Khashoggi or to condemn the Saudis, but boy, is he ready to talk about the mob that's heading Toward the U.S. border, four thousand people reportedly who started out in Honduras. Rebecca Intralgo covers uh, immigration issues um, mainly for Think Progress, and uh, good enough to join us in studio this morning. So, um, what I want to know is Rebecca, how much did George Soros pay these people?
5: <laughs> I saw that the other day. I didn't even want to engage. Was it, are you talking about the tweet from Matt Gates? Matt Gates, Congressman Matt Gates had this tweet about there were. Like George Soros's people were handing out money to like people in the Honduras or uh, you know Guatemala who are in the caravan, and this whole crisis actor thing is like getting out of hand. I I don't even know how your brain even comes up with that, but um, to my but, knowledge, no one, but, none of them are paid by no, George. No, it's Soros.
1: ridiculous. But <laughs> but because apparently there was some video of somebody yeah. giving some of them some money. Well, they were st- they were heading off on a trip that could take them six weeks or mm-hmm. whatever. And people were relatives were maybe giving them some money for along the way. Right. The idea. And but but this is Donald Trump mentioned this yesterday. Mm -hmm. He said, don't have any, don't have all the facts, you know. Yeah. But let me throw this out there anyway. You know, there are reports that Mm -hmm. they might have been paid by the Democrats who are who have timed this Mm -hmm. and got them to leave Honduras and make their way north so that they would arrive at the border November 5th. The day before the midterms.
5: Uh, I mean, I don't know how anyone's brain even comes up with that. That's not even like the million thing I would I would even think of when thinking about the caravan. Because
1: you're saying.
5: <laughs> I mean, w- when you think about it, it you know. So the pe-
1: who, who are these people? The,
5: these people in, uh, in the caravan are mainly from Honduras, but they're also from El Salvador, which I mentioned are two places that are so dangerous that, you know, the United States even gave temporary protected status to a uh, TPS to, um, residents from Honduras. They, they, uh, ended, uh, the Honduras TPS, but, uh, you know, the El Salvador mm-hmm. TPS is still in litigation. So these mainly Honduras, El Salvador, I, th- I believe there are some from Guatemala, um, but, you know, they're, they're leaving dangerous situations, um, and coming in a caravan um, which reportedly has reached 4000 people but you know they're walking the whole distance from you know from the nor- what's well, called the northern triangle central america um, up to the mexican border and the mexico and southern border and then uh, if they are allowed into mexico we will make their way to the us uh, southern border um oh sorry yeah yeah us yeah. southern border
1: so uh, first of all there was a caravan similar caravan mm-hmm. that Donald Trump also got excited right. about uh, six months ago? Yeah, in the spring. In the spring? Mm-hmm. What happened to those? How many of those people made it into the United States? I believe
5: it was about, well, into the United States, I don't know. But into Mexico, I believe it was about 600. um So this- um But
1: 600 did not cross- the, the american border no
5: because you can it, when you're in mexico you can apply for a mm-hmm. uh, humanitarian visa in mexico and some maybe decided to stay in mexico for a certain amount of time before making their way because it is I mean, mexico is a huge country once you're into mexico um you know that's kind of the biggest milestone there and um you know once you get the humanitarian visa there uh you can stay i believe it's for 45 days um or you can mm-hmm. choose to stay longer um some people may have res- uh, relatives in Mexico, so. Uh, you know, not everyone who is in the caravan will likely make it to the U.S. border. Um, but yeah, I believe last time it was about uh, 600, and last time Mexican uh, immigration officials were a lot more lenient. This time they're a little—they're really cracking down. Even before Trump called him, you know, called out Mexico and you know made those really angry tweets. You know, Mexico is already planning on um, cracking down and making sure that people uh, who are in the caravan have the appropriate visas, or else they won't uh, be allowed in. Um, So they're really cracking down on uh, the caravan this time, more so than last time. Um, And, you know, whether that has anything to do with, you know, recent trade relations or whatever, I don't really know. But, you know, if I can tell you for one thing, you know, yelling at uh, Mexico on Twitter is not going to make it any easier. They're already planning on cooperating before, you know. Okay. Um,
1: So um, what percentage of these people are criminals? Donald Trump says basically
4: they all are. <laughs>
5: uh, I mean, these are people with their children. Uh, I, 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 you know, calling all of them criminals would be, uh, you know, slander. These people are not criminals. No, and but and, but and well,
1: <laughs> you know, he started out running for president by calling them murders, murderers, and rapists. Exactly.
5: And I and I think and the way he views and this will be a shock to no one is I think the way he views immigration is I don't think he understands. In his mind, you know, when he started out his campaign, you know, he said Mexico isn't sending their best. Mexico isn't sending anyone. These people are voluntarily coming to the United States, they're not chosen by the government, uh, they're not chosen by the you know, Honduran government, you know, Salvadoran government, you know, these, these people are voluntarily leaving. And the idea of a caravan was started by immigration activists in Central America, because the, you know, the the path from Honduras, El Salvador, you know, Northern Triangle countries in Central America was so dangerous. That, you know, people were getting kidnapped on the way if they were you know traveling in low group numbers. So they organized caravans. So, you know, there's strength and numbers and, um, you know, there's a lot of support for the caravan. You see videos of them walking through towns and people are handing them water, cheering them on. Um, so the idea was, you know, when caravans first started, it was a way to sort of draw attention to the issue, draw attention to how long it takes uh, you know, people are, are, are sleeping in, you know, gymnasiums and you know, for weeks um, just to get to the border. Anyone who, you know, it takes a lot of strength to pick up your life um, and decide that you want to walk in, you know, in those dangerous conditions for Well, weeks. first of all, they
1: wouldn't undertake that unless things were really bad oh, in their home country. I mean,
5: in, in, in San Pedro Sula in, in Honduras, where the caravan was organized, that's one of the most dangerous cities in the world. Um you know, El Salvador are one of the most dangerous countries in the world. So I, you know, you you really you really have to realize like no, it takes a lot to leave, and and but I'm sure it was an easy choice for them, knowing how difficult it was, you know uh, how how it is there.
1: Uh, and the idea that they're coming in a caravan of four thousand people. Sort of negates the idea that these are people who are coming up to sneak across the border, right? right. I mean, there's nothing
5: mm-hmm.
1: sneaky about this caravan, right. right?
5: No, and and that's another they thing. They are and- coming,
1: and they're coming as. Refugees, mm-hmm. aren't
5: they? yeah, that's, that's that's also something that that's that's really important to to realize is that you know again these people are also coming from countries that used to be protected countries where you could come and get a work visa because you know, um, El Salvador had a, a, a an earthquake a couple of years ago that was really devastating. Um, Honduras, you know, had a very dangerous criminal living situation there, very dangerous for a lot of families. So, United States granted TPS. Mm-hmm. So, you know, these these are not temporary protected, status. temporary protected status. Sure yeah, understand. of course, yeah. temporary protected status, which the administration wants to end, you know, for uh, a number of countries. So, yeah, it's 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 you know, these people are refugees and uh, they're not entering the country illegally or they're not planning to. Um, you know, that's another thing is that, you know, in his tweets, you know, he said that, you know, anyone who enters the country illegally. OK, well, they're coming. They're coming to a port of entry. Which is something that administration officials said a bunch of times, which is like, uh, if you enter the United States through a port of entry, you know, you're not going to be detained. And it's like, but, you know, we see time and time again that's not true. People who people who are coming to the United States to claim asylum are being turned away at the border or are being detained at ports of entry, which is not, that's a completely legal thing to do.
1: Right. So in response, uh, Donald Trump has made on Twitter all mm. kinds of threats oh, right? yeah. that you've been uh, reporting on. Uh, f- number one is that he's going to cut off any foreign aid mm-hmm. to the countries of the Northern Triangle, yeah. right? Or to yeah. Mexico? Well. Yeah. So them. Yes. Then he also said he's going to scuttle, totally abandon this new trade deal with mm-hmm. Mexico if Mexico allows them mm-hmm. to cross the country, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he's also said he's going to send the military yeah, to clo- the shut down the border, right? <laughs> yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the likelihood of any one of those?
5: I mean, I I definitely can see a situation where if Mexico, I mean, I assume they are going to allow the caravan to come through. I can definitely see a situation where, you know, Trump dispatches a bunch of troops to get out of the border. Whether they can get the border to, like, close at all is different, but I can definitely see a very heightened military presence at the border. Um, and but again,
1: these people are showing up at ports of mm-hmm. entry. Right not right trying to not cross the river the right or, yeah right. no 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 so what would be the what what's the relation why, why close the border right ports of entry are always going to remain open mm-hmm. one would think
5: yeah yeah I mean there are also some cases where some people uh maybe they go off track and they uh, uh immigration advocates have told me that No one who crosses the border illegally wants to. It's usually out of necessity. It's usually out of you go off track and you're suddenly you don't know where the next port of entry is um, or something like that. So you're forced to cross the border as a means of survival. Maybe you're escaping someone. Um, But when it comes to the caravan, I assume they're just going to a port of entry. Um, And I mean, that's that's I'm interested to see how it will shake out because I don't you know, ports of entry do remain open, but I feel like. You know, the Trump administration can get immigration officials to act as harshly as he wants them to. Um, Yeah.
1: Well, it's interesting that this is happening because last week Donald Trump said um, that his tough talk Mm -hmm. and his family separation policy—he told Leslie this in 60 Mm -hmm. um, Minutes—that his family separation policy is obviously working Mm -mm. because fewer (laughs) people are coming. Well, this sort of belies that, doesn't it?
5: Yes, and that's also just not true. Uh, uh, in August and September, it was like the highest number of of, of people arriving at the border um, in in a very long time. So, I mean, it's it's wrong on a lot of levels. But it's also just you know you know I've been talking to a lot of immigration advocates, and they tell me you know this all these extreme measures at the border do absolutely nothing to deter people from coming here. Uh, but
1: I was just looking, I knew I had the figure here somewhere: sixteen thousand six hundred and fifty-eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, families at the border yeah. in September. Yep. Which yep. is up 80% mm-hmm. over what it was last year. Yeah. Yes. So, again, his policies are not working. No,
5: <laughs> they're not working. They're not deterring anyone. Uh, and they're just unusually cruel for the people who do want to come here and seek a better life. Um, and that's something I've had to sort of reckon with. Uh, Personally, because like you know, I cover immigration. My family is they're immigrants, uh, and it's just sort of it hit me uh, this week. I was just like, I was talking to my grandmother, and I was talking to you know about her experience leaving, which was vastly easier coming from Cuba than it was coming than it is coming from Central America. But still, you know, you have they left all their belongings. I don't have any family pictures of my family. Um, you know, anything anybody past my grandmother, I don't know what my great grandfather looked like. I don't have any family pictures or anything. They weren't able to take anything with them. So you know, just thinking about the process of leaving everything your house my grandma was an art collector leaving everything behind um and 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 coming to the u.s takes a lot and it's not easy um and you know they're refugees and i they're not they're not here i think i was reading there's a new york times story where they just talk to people in the caravan and i think the line that stuck out to me the most was just someone being like i just want to work i'll do whatever job but I just want to work and and, and that's that's I, I can see that for for a lot of people. My grandfather was like a, a cameraman in Cuba. came to the United States. He was like working in a hotel busing tables at, for breakfast. And so it's it's you know people will take whatever job they want to do. Uh, any job that's available to them because, you know, it's there. There are no jobs uh, mm-hmm. uh, where they're living. And, and and I think that's super important to, to remember.
1: Uh, all of this uh, discussion about what to do uh, about uh, what Donald Trump sees as a looming crisis um, with these hordes of people marching toward the border um, sparked a discussion in the Oval Office yesterday. Which continued and apparently escalated outside mm-hmm. the Oval Office, the Johns uh, between John <laughs> Kelly, yes, the Johns. <laughs> the battle, the battle of the Johns, uh, John Kelly and John Bolton, mm-hmm. um, where at least three different sources say uh, that this turned out to be a really ugly shouting match between the two of them, yeah. laced with profanities, uh, I'd love where to see that. John Bolton. <laughs> I'd love to have been there, too, <laughs> where John Bolton was claiming, uh, and Donald Trump backing him up, that Kirsten Nielsen, the mm-hmm. secretary of Department of Homeland Security, had not been tough enough mm-hmm. at the border, uh, and John Kelly, she used to work for John Kelly, John Kelly defending her. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
5: yeah. Um...
1: And that's hard to believe. <laughs> Yeah. That the woman who put kids in cages yeah, no, was not tough enough at the border. And he
5: wants to possibly do it again. There's there's you know, yeah. there's rumors of a second zero tolerance policy. So I think she's been she's been uh pl- plenty tough at the border. Um and I just think that in Trump's mind, as as long as there are people who are at the border there is like a he's doing his job wrong i think he just he he wants there to be no one at the border no one who wants to come to the united states um and as long as there are people who want to do that in his eyes his administration officials have failed in that regard he wants there to be no problem no immigrants in the u.s in my opinion um so it's it's as long as there are people who are arriving at the border he i feel like he will blame Kristen nielsen and dhs as a whole but uh yeah, it's a complicated issue. Uh,
1: and um, the idea that uh, John Kelly might have been so pissed off by this that yeah. he's going to resign. Yeah. Really?
5: No. The- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there, I feel like they've been talking. Like there has been talk about John Kelly resigning for like months, and everyone's like, he's the one to reel in Trump, and he's the voice of reason to him, and blah blah blah, and he's going to resign. And I just, I don't, I don't see, I don't see it happening, but.
3: John Kelly only yes. exists so that we can wonder if he's going to resign. Like that's his only job. Is just like to s- just like stir up this idea that he's going to leave at some point. He's not going to leave. Mm-hmm. You crazy?
1: No. He's got fat and happy <laughs> and making a lot of money and he's chief of staff and no, no. And also this a idea. Cushy position. And basically he's a coward.
3: Yeah. And this is idea th- that if we're...
1: he had any self-respect, he would have been out of there. He would never have taken the job. Right.
3: Yeah. Right. Yep. And, th- and this idea that we're supposed to be concerned that there are resignation fears in the White House. Like, who
5: cares?
3: <laughs> they should both leave.
5: Yep. Yep. That's how I, say, I feel about the anonymous op-ed. It's like, yeah. this brave person is like, you know, leading the fight of the <clears throat> resistance inside the Trump administration. Like, who cares? <laughs> like, right. Just like, You're leave. You're still working there. You're still working there. You're still enabling him. Just leave.
3: Yeah. <laughs> you
1: know, I want to be sure I ask you about this uh, <laughs> before we run out of time, but you've also been... Um, uh, you've written about in addition to although your your border work, <laughs> uh, there is a strange. They're just calling it a polio-like disease. There yeah, been cases of this. There um, are like a hundred. What's this all something?
5: about? Yeah, I, I. It's a very long name. I think the abbreviation is AFM. Um, but it is a. Polio-like disease that uh, targets AFM, AFM, right. uh, and it attacks. Uh, it's v- children are most vulnerable, and if you have the polio vaccine, um, it you know you are you are safe. But there's you know a lot of people who are choosing not to vaccinate their children, and if you don't have your vaccines, you're more susceptible to it. But it is a polio-like disease that um, basically will make your limbs go numb. You can use uh, lose motor functions in your brain. You get like facial droop. You lose speech. It, it's a nervous system uh, sort of attacks your nervous system and. And it's, it's it's extremely dangerous. There, uh, uh, it's very rare, but there are about a hundred. I think the CDC is investigating about 124 cases. A couple. Do they in... know what's
1: causing it or anything? No.
5: No, I no uh, I I don't believe so. There's no there's no uh, idea about what uh, the vir- like what the makeup of the virus or anything like that. It's just very similar to polio, and it. But but again, the vaccine polio vaccine um, would prevent it, and they're encouraging people to obviously stay up on their vaccines and everything. Um, but yeah, that's it's it's and in Maryland I believe it's about three three cases or that are being studied. And Washington State has a couple. And is that have that you,
1: any infants this? died of this? Or is I
5: don't. I don't think so. Um, I think it. I think it. It also targe- targets children who are a little bit older, maybe like one or two years old. Um, but yeah, there are a, yeah, a couple of states that are the CDC is looking into this. But again, they keep getting that it's very rare. But about 100 kids. it's like if for a disease like that. That's similar to polio. Uh, you know, that's it's 100 is over 100 is a lot.
1: Yeah. Right. And five, I believe, in uh, just in the state of Maryland here, mm-hmm. nearby, Yep, Right. Yep. Um, so back to the border here for just a second. Whatever happened to the idea um, that we needed comprehensive immigration <laughs> reform?
5: I mean, that- it, It's I've, been uh,
1: a year, yeah. two years since yep. anybody made any move. Remember, uh, there were there was a gang of- mm-hmm. I don't know, all these different gang. Every once in a while, you're in <laughs> yeah. Congress. You'd have a, a bipartisan group mm-hmm. pop up in the House. Yeah, I remember John Yarmouth from Kentucky, mm-hmm. a good friend of ours- was on the one in the House that put this plan together. Yeah. There was a group in the Senate that put a plan together. Yeah. I mean, that was the that was the like number one priority. Yep. Yep. A couple of years ago, and I guess since tr- in the age of Trump, it's just out the window. Yeah,
5: I feel like they've just been putting out a number of fires <laughs> or like dealing with you know other issues. But I mean you there has been recently where you just you don't see a lot of democratic politicians talking about immigration or putting in immigration bills and then but then you have republicans who are adopting trump's anti-immigration stance and i feel like there's there's no way where like any of those two things can meet in the middle um and you know unfortunately I, I i don't know if we'll ever see some sort of like comprehensive immigration reform like the next couple of years i want to but I'm very cynical that that will ever happen. Uh, but in doesn't the near
1: future? this crisis, so-called crisis now right. at the border, whatever, whether it's the family separation policy, the zero tolerance policy, um, or these temporary protective style mm-hmm. all these issues that we're dealing with individually, doesn't doesn't don't they all underscore the need yeah. for some across-the-board approach yeah. to yeah. dealing with the problem, which has always included probably greater protection mm-hmm. at the border mm-hmm. some status for those who are living here now illegally mm-hmm. and then some limits mm-hmm. on the number of people who come in legally and illegally yeah
5: i think i think i mean i think also it, it, there's it, it, just a, a number of democrats who don't want to support any immigration bill that has uh funding for the border wall or any well
1: yeah i mean <laughs> so, Donald Trump has sort of upset yes, the apple cart yes. by throwing that in mm-hmm. there right for him border security yeah. is the freaking wall.
5: Right. So the, for the immigration compromise bills that have come through on the Republican side have always included funding for the border wall and, a, and Democrats are, are vehemently against any funding for the border wall. So they haven't really been able to you know, come to and, and, and meet in the middle on that way.
1: And Republicans haven't, I mean, to be honest, Republicans haven't come up with money for the wall either.
5: No, no. Uh, <laughs> there's just, I mean, to
1: Donald Trump's annoyance.
5: Mm hmm. Yeah, and uh, there's a study that came out this morning from Cap uh, that basically said that if the new zero tolerance policy was put in place, it could cost up to about, I think it was about twelve billion dollars over ten years. It's expensive to keep you know these people in detention for so long, um, and so I don't know how, how where, where all this money is going to come from, <laughs> um, to, you know, to 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 satisfy the needs of the president to keep. Out immigrants in in the in the country. I just I just don't know where the money's going to be coming from.
1: Um, what is the current status of the Dreamers?
5: I believe there's a a, a DACA lawsuit happening in Texas. Um, I'm actually going to be uh, doing that when I'm back. I'm back in Florida for the midterm elections in a couple weeks, and I'm going to be canvassing with some Dreamers who Dreamers can't vote, um, but they are still out there mobilizing. Um, the uh, the vote and, you know, talking to people about supporting candidates that support DACA uh, and, and then the DREAM Act and supporting candidates that support comprehensive immigration reform. But right now, I mean, I, I believe as long as the litigation's happening, that's happening right now, uh, I believe they still, if you have DACA, you have it, I believe, for about another two years or a year or something like that. Um, but, you know, there's still, it's very much a lot of people are living their lives in limbo. Same people with TPS, um, temporary protected status, uh, a lot of people are just living their, like, just living for the next couple months living you know a couple months at a time because they're not entirely sure what's gonna happen to their you know status protection so
1: the dreamers program uh, despite Donald Trump's attempts to to kill it mm-hmm. uh, is still in place yes it's just got this big cloud over it mm-hmm. because he has said unless Congress does it officially yes uh, it would disappear a judge has said it has to remain until mm-hmm. while that's while that's litigated I yeah. guess. But you're right. The people who are in it, they mm-hmm. can't take any new people. No, people who are in it can renew, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're they're really subject to deportation.
5: Mm-hmm. Could yeah. be
1: at any time.
5: Yep. Yep. And there are, are people who are. Um, phasing out of the DACA program, who were uh, who maybe came here when they when it first started, who are now adults, who you know you know you saw, I believe it was in Texas a couple months ago, where this he was now father um, was arrested by ICE because they said he phased out of the DACA program, and you know so you know it's been in place for a while now, but you know these people are this is the only country they've ever known, um, build lives here, build families here, and you know you send them back to a country they barely remember, um, and there's something that it, I, the urgency for it is 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 actually astonishing because you know these people are living their lives day to day, um, and it's it's terrifying.
1: Right. So we will see how many of the uh, reported four thousand people make it uh, through Mexico <laughs> into Mexico. First yeah. of all, yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, they can't just cross the border yep. there uh, without yep. some kind of visa or something or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then make it all the way to the United States and. Uh, uh, Donald Trump thought, the Russians are coming, the Russians are coming, the Russians are coming. <laughs> there he is. Hey, Rebecca, it's always good to see good you. To see you as well. Thanks for coming in, Rebecca and Drago, too. at uh, the uh, Center for American Progress, but <laughs> ThinkProgress. Yeah. ThinkProgress.org. What's happening on the state front? A lot of important governor's races coming up, and some states taking some important initiatives on a lot of different issues. Graham Vise covers that for Governing Magazine. We'll step into the studio coming up next. Quick break. We'll be right back.
2: This is the Bill Press Show.
1: On a Friday, October 19. Here we are. Yep. Secretary of State George Pompe- uh, Mike Pompeo says Saudi Arabia needs a few more days to figure out what happened. It's been over two weeks. What do you mean they don't know what happened? We know what happened. Hey, hello, everybody. Good to see you uh, on a Friday. Can't go into the weekend yet. Got another half an hour or so before we let you go because we got not a lot, a lot of news to talk about. And I want to remind you of having already done so, catch up with my new book, Trump Must Go, the top 100 reasons to dump Trump. I know it's more than 100 now. Yes, yeah, just the last week we've added about 50 uh, uh, and one to keep him. I point out maybe one to keep him uh, wherever Good books are sold. You can go to our website, too, at uh, BillPressShow.com. Check in. Add your own reasons as well. Join me in welcoming to the studio from Governing Magazine our good friend Graham Vise. Lots to talk about at the state level. Hello, Graham. Good morning. Nice to see you. Nice to see you too, as always. And we have been uh, rolling here along for about an hour and a half, Peter.
3: Yes, indeed. Kicking we're on, up some dust. We're on t- as always. Yes, we're <laughs> on Twitter at BP Show at BP Show. We put up a poll, by the way. We try and put one up every day. Uh, the question today is: Will Trump actually close the southern U.S. border? You have three options: yes, no, or he will try. Mm-hmm. Currently he will try is sitting at 56%, no at 31%, 13% of only 13% of you say yes, he will actually close the Southern US border. Uh, so if you want to get your vote in on that, go do it right now. Take part in our poll. We also got some comments on that. Unrepentant Liberal on Twitter says he will try and he will fail, but the angry white racists at his hate rallies will scream and cheer his success. Uh, they will love it, yeah. In keeping right. the brown hordes from overrunning America, That's how uh, Unrepentant Liberal puts it <laughs> on Twitter. Also, Billy Joe says Trump's racism and hate towards and demonizing of immigrants has worked in the past so well, in fact, that his supporters are willing to put up with his pathological lying about everything else. You have a comment on Twitter? Find us. You can find us at BP Show. And don't forget, again, go vote in our poll. Go let us know what you think.
1: All right. And thank you for all those comments. Good to hear from you. Uh, I remind you um, that uh, I know the Mega Millions tonight is almost a a billion dollars, and the Powerball is up to about (laughs) $500 Uh, but don't waste your time. Don't buy any tickets today because I bought my tickets yesterday. Wow! One each. That's all I need to win. So wow. you don't have a chance. Of course, the more, the fewer people who buy, the better chance I have. As if I do. Hey, Graham, it's good to see good you. Good to see you too. Um, I see you're
0: making you know good use of your platform here. Really stacking the deck in your favor. That's, <laughs> <it>. <laughs> that's uh...
1: so. My favorite. We want to talk about some things that are happening at the state level. But my favorite, our favorite story of the day. Is what's happening here in Washington, D.C., where Donald Trump doesn't have a lot of time to worry about climate change, not a lot of time to worry about comprehensive immigration reform or you name it. But, boy, he is up to his elbows in making sure that the that no hotel competitor, no competing hotel is built across the street from the Trump International Hotel, where they have – so. Uh, the, the FBI headquarters has fallen down. They need a new headquarters. The FBI wanted to move. So the developer says, okay, you can move, and then the General Services Administration, right. and we'll put up a new mixed-use hotel on this location, a mixed-use building, on yep. this, which includes a hotel.
2: Yep.
1: Do- the emails now That's show not gonna fly. after all these denials that Donald Trump personally intervened with the GSA and said, no, no, no. No, no competition across the street. I mean, one of it's got to be the FBI. You have to keep the FBI there because <laughs> I don't want any hotel to take any business away from me.
0: One of the themes, oh, my God. that we've seen with him is that he it, it's all about his sort of personal, uh success or failure and, and and the fact that he's now been elevated to this public office has not in any way changed his calculus, which is why he's he's basically you know, able to use the, the levers of power of government, of the the public's government, right, to to sort of advance his own ends. I mean it's it's really shamelessly. It, it, shamelessly.
1: Uh whether it's going to Scotland to uh pump up his golf course over the failing golf course, right? <laughs> right. Or uh, you know, making a big deal about his hotel here, where which has become like the must-to-place for conservative right. organizations or for foreign embassies right. who want to impress the president, mm-hmm. especially I might add the Saudis, right, who have had several events there. Yeah. Uh, and he doesn't want anybody else like across the street. No. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. So that's that's his number number one
0: priority. Right. So he's got I, time for that simultaneously. Outrageous and also not at all surprising, so I mean it's like, you know, this is what he cares about.
3: This is as I would say, this is what he cares about, right? This is this is all he cares about. Like he doesn't care about policy, he doesn't care about uh, anything else. It's just like deals. He's president deals, right?
0: D- and and which to be I- clear, deals for
3: him, for him, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not right, like right, deals right, right, for right. the country, right.
0: right?
1: Which explains, I, uh, uh, which explains, which really underlies his response and shocking, mild response to the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. It's about deals. It's about deals in this case for the United States, where he's claiming it's 110 billion dollars mm-hmm. in arms sales. It's really been about 10 billion dollars, mm-hmm. 12 billion dollars and about the deals that he has made over his business career with the saudis which are gazillions of dollars mm-hmm. selling his yacht selling the plaza hotel selling these condominiums for 40 50 million dollars selling a whole floor of the trump hotel trump uh, tower in across from the uh, un yeah i mean his one of his biggest sources of of wealth has come from the saudis so he's not going to turn against them now
0: And one would hope that a president of the United States who was going to uphold the principle of press freedom, the the, the sort of American values, you know, the interests of his country and of the public and just like of morality would balance the – there's no question that the United States, you know, has this, you know, longstanding relationship with with the Saudis. And that obviously is something that factors into the calculus of any president, but it is shocking that – there seems to be no effort to sort of weigh the the sort of pragmatism of dealing with that country and also upholding this idea that like no you will not, you know, dismember a a a a, a American-based Washington Post reporter like we will not stand for that yeah, but you. but to the earlier point you just made he just doesn't think that way it's just not it's not how he even Conceptualizes the issue. Yeah,
1: you know, I have been thinking. I mentioned earlier today, what if Jamal Khashoggi, for example, had been a Heard you say an that. American Christian pastor? Right. I think the response would have been different.
0: Right. By the way, did you hear
1: what Pat Robertson said? Oh, Pat Robertson, yeah. We have to it's the bottom line's of money, right? Yeah. Didn't he say the same he, thing? I
0: thought he was really providing some yeah. real sort of like spiritual leadership on that on that issue. Really 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 really, you know, making a good showing. Basically completely you know, talking in the terms of sort of crass business arrangements and 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 like eliding the entire moral outrage of what's going on. I, it's just it's really I don't you know I I I I don't write no, about would, Pat Robertson I, I you know it's like not my my th- you know my fight to, to wage but it's like I just I was I was just so shocked by that.
1: Um, we shouldn't be shocked by anything that Pat Robertson says, but yeah. you know what? What's striking, Peter, is. How long have we been doing this show? And we've been making fun of Pat Robertson for... <laughs> oh, the, my God. I, is that true? I mean, no. From the
3: from day one. I, literally, I think... We used it, I think to do the, the, the pancakes yeah, thing. The, the, the power pancake power mix pancakes. we had. I think that was... We did bits on that in year one. And we wow. are... Wow. We're wow. in year... Four, th- 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 almost 14 years yeah, of right. doing the show. And we used to talk about his power-packed, protein-filled pancakes that and, he used to eat before his workouts.
1: And Pat Robertson is still out there and still. still saying crazy crap right
3: it's insane yeah. it's insane it is we haven't gotten any better as a country no nope.
1: <laughs> okay now uh, so what's exciting at this for, I, I i don't know if i've seen you since but i gave a speech recently in san antonio to a group of state um administrators nice and my point to them was um and so they wanted me to talk on the how do you get washington working again well, so my points were like twofold. Number one, why do you want it to work? You know, the, <laughs> the more Washington's working, the worse off we all are. Right. Uh, Certainly progressives two, shouldn't
0: be rooting for effectiveness right. this, this in, Washington, in this government. It, right.
1: Right. Number two, um, it ain't going to happen as long as nothing's going to happen as long as this gang is in charge. But number three, why should you really worry? Because you're doing great things at the state level. The action today is really at the state level, I believe, in so many areas. Good and bad, by the Absolutely. way. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But one area, what, what's the most exciting thing happening out there that you've seen?
0: Well, I've been uh, kind of preoccupied with covering a lot of the ballot measures, ballot initiatives that are going to be uh, on the ballot in November oh, yeah. uh, across the country, which every yeah. state has them, right? Or, or I think, or at least most states do. Uh,
1: um, too many do. Yeah. California a- especially.
0: Yeah, that's right. And I actually uh, just published a, a California story, but the, the story that I, I thought... Uh, you, you and and uh, and everybody here might be interested in is that. The uh, the fight for recreational marijuana, which as I know, it's a key concern of the Bill Press show. It's a national um, holiday for uh, us, April uh, twenty. It is uh, is uh, moving to the Midwest potentially if uh, Michigan and North Dakota, a, r- a red state, um, approve ballot measures next month to legalize the recreational use of marijuana. And and uh, it's an interesting test. Are they of, the
1: only? They're not the. Only, are they the only two states?
0: The, I think there may be. States with medical marijuana. Oh no, on, forget on, that. On, on That's the so twentieth century. But, but my my understanding yeah. is that those two states are the yeah. key states for recreational, recreational use that, in terms of yeah, next month. Yeah, yeah. Um. And so most of the I believe eight states, if you uh, that including Vermont uh, recently, I think it's nine. But is, anyhow, okay. No, it could be nine. I, I nine I, plus the
1: District of Columbia. I believe. But yeah, anyhow.
0: I thought it was eight, but uh, it either eight or nine, I guess, uh, that have legalized recreational use already. Right, and so this would be uh, the first pair of states, sort of uh, again in the Midwest. Most of the previous states have been kind of coastal states, not all of them, but most of them. Yeah, um, and so you know, obviously Colorado. All, you know. Colorado started, it. but now but, it's, from, um,
1: it's it's the the blue wall in the west, right? right? Oregon, Washington, California. Right. It's Vermont. It's, right. New England. I, yeah.
0: Um. So, so it's a it's a interesting test for this move, this growing movement of uh, does this new geographic area prove that this is in fact a national uh, trend? Uh, it certainly it looks like it's trending that way. I, I saw a, a, a recent poll from uh, I believe it was uh, Gallup that said that something like more than sixty percent of Americans now favor uh, legalizing recreational. It's only a matter normal. of time, so, right?
1: Uh, you know uh, we' talked about this but at one time I thought it was a race between same-sex marriage and recreational use of pot you know which one would get across the finish line first yeah. but uh, marriage equality made it by far yeah. ahead of recreational use of pot but it's 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 relentless it's moving in that direction you can't turn it back but to see North Dakota of all places and then Michigan doesn't surprise me as much but yeah uh, but that would be a, big big historic moves
0: it would and i think north dakota, dakota in particular would as a red state would sort of speak to the strength of this movement now i should say it's looking like it's a steeper climb in north dakota than it probably is in michigan i noticed that um according to Ballotpedia, which tracks these things um the the opposition has sort of outspent the supporters in north dakota Uh, whereas the opposite is true in in Michigan. You know, obviously opponents continue to make these arguments about, you know, it's going to increase use of marijuana. It's going to, uh, you know, make it more available to children. It could even harm public safety if people are driving while high. But, you know, I think to your point earlier, I think the, the trend definitely does seem to be, in one direction, and uh, I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see more and more states take this move. And you they- know, did you see that
1: line in, um, um, the lines rather in Canada?
3: Yeah, man.
1: I mean, <laughs> no, no. I mean, long line because Canada just uh, this, this week. Okay, right? I guess it was became Tuesday. I think it became Wednesday, effective. Yeah. It had passed, and it became effective, and so it was the first time these dispensaries were opening. Oh man, the Canadians. They were out
3: there
0: and camping out. People literally yeah. lined yeah. up
3: overnight, and they yes. and some of the yes. stores opened up at midnight mm-hmm. uh, wow. to allow people in. And you know it's great. It's like, it's like Black Friday, or L- literally, literally <laughs> yeah. Green Friday. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that they that they did, we've we've done a we've done stories similar to this here in America. Uh, their version of the Girl Scouts in Canada, they were setting up tables outside of the dispensaries <laughs> selling cookies. Wow. Because duh, and yeah. there was one, the interv- munchies. Get the munchies <laughs> totally, and they interviewed one uh, girl that was outside at this uh, at, at her stand that she gets up. She was like, "Yeah, I sold out in like forty five minutes."
0: <laughs> Who says this doesn't benefit the youth? Come I on, mean, look. <laughs> yeah. yeah, even
3: conservatives so conservatives have to get on board with this. Yeah. It's good capitalism. <laughs> yeah,
1: it'll be interesting to see that. So, um, states have also are also active out there in immigration. Yes. Um, Measures as well. Yeah. I mean, I. Not um, necessarily in uh, the direction progressives might want to see them go in
0: that's right i mean i i i did a quick roundup a few days ago uh sort of looking at uh, you know all the various immigration measures that have been passed and um you know it's it's sort of a a muddled picture you know obviously some states are sort of cracking down consistent with what the trump administration is pushing pushing um you know others are sort of uh you know liberalizing i think i may have talked about this on the show before that to me the the most interesting immigration uh, measure that is coming up on the November ballot is this uh sanctuary state law in Oregon which I think we discussed before basically right. the question is will they uh, uphold or overturn the, the actually the oldest sanctuary state law in the country where uh you know So
1: this is a referendum to overturn the state law. To, right. Yeah. So
0: so the existing state law. Right. And yeah. uh and you know there's a little bit of drama because four years ago even though oregon is a blue state four years ago there was a referendum on whether to give drivers licenses to undocumented immigrants and it actually failed you know so basically there is some right-wing anti-immigration energy in the state and so i i suspect that given uh given that it is fundamentally a blue state and given the kind of intensity with which democrats are uh, energized this year, I, I I would be more surprised if they overturned this law. But you know, it's so amazing that everything is the Trump paradigm. I mean, you talk to advocates on both sides of that issue. You know, the the supporters of the sanctuary state law who want to defend undocumented immigrants, they say, you know, we don't want our state to be part of Trump's deportation force. We want to, you know, stand up now more than ever. And the opponents of the sanctuary state law say. You know, if we can do it in Oregon, we can do it anywhere. We want to vindicate Trump's, you know, approach, you know, rule of law, the whole thing. Right. So it's fascinating.
1: One of the other things, of course, that's uh, fascinating to the state level is we've talked a lot about the blue wave. Politico reports this morning that while um, we might we could safely expect to see a blue wave result in control of the House of Representatives moving to the Democrats. Uh, we also might see evidence of the blue wave, not so much in the U.S. Senate, but at the level of governors. Um, I was just looking at the numbers this morning. There are um, thirty-six. First of all, Republicans now control thirty-three out of fifty governorships. Yeah. So they've got. They've done. They've got the really well at that right level now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this year there are thirty-six governors up for. It's um, a lot. Of uh, thirty-six races up. Uh, at this point, according to Politico, Republicans lead in 17. Democrats lead in 12. Uh, again, Democrats start, starting so far behind, right. that's a big pickup for them. Uh, seven are rated still as a toss-up. But the, gov- the states where um, Democrats are favored include Illinois, Michigan, again, um, New Mexico, mm-hmm. Minnesota, Connecticut and Rhode Island, uh, your yeah. home state of Rhode Gina Island. Ramunda. Gina Raimondo up election So some of these are re-election, some are, right. But to pick up Illinois would be a yeah. flip. Um, Michigan would be flipping to the Democrats. New Mexico flipping to the Democrats. Minnesota, I think, would, would remain in Democratic hands. But yeah. uh, there's some real opportunities there for Democrats that look pretty, according to Politico, like they're in. Yeah. New, Illinois, Michigan, New Mexico. I would be remiss in. if
0: I didn't say I, I think people should read Politico. We also have comprehensive predictions and analysis at governing.com. Good for you. Uh, yes, Alan Greenblatt, yes. my colleague, has been following uh-huh. this as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it. it I think, and what's interesting, of course, is that um, with redistricting on the line uh, in the coming years, uh, and obviously all of this policymaking at the state level, that you know the, the governors' races and and uh, and state house le- state legislative races are another crucial way that Democrats can try to wrest back power um, from Republicans. And and I, I do think not just because I'm now covering this full time, but it is a sort of underappreciated. Battleground, with, which has real, you know, implications and repercussions, and um, you know, f- one thing that's I I've, I've think about a lot is um, there are a lot of states that are now considering whether to uh, enshrine the right to choose into state law. You know, in in states where it doesn't exist, and now with with Brett Kavanaugh on the court, you know, that all of a sudden feels like a much more Significant mm-hmm. question of you know w- is your state going to be a state that protects abortion rights even if uh, you know either Roe v. Wade is overturned or even more likely they just sort of really continue to chip away at the at the at the Supreme Court. Level. Uh,
1: other states that were basically according to Politico and I haven't seen uh, your <laughs> colleagues uh, work in governing. I'll
0: send it over to you, <laughs> uh,
1: you sh- please. Um, other states that are in play, very much so, like considered basically tied. Right. Um, Iowa. Yep. Think, think about the, if these could flip to Democrats. Iowa, Ohio, with Richard Cordray there. Uh, Wisconsin, where Scott Walker is looks like it could very well go down. Georgia, Stacey, Stacey Abrams. Abrams uh, up against the Secretary of State, who is trying to suppress the vote to keep votes away from her. I know. Uh, and Florida, yeah, with Andrew Gillum, uh, and Andrew Gillum, who uh, is tied, if not ahead, of Ron DeSantis in the polls. A classic battle down yeah. there between the total Trumpian and the total Bernie guy, yeah. Right, uh, with probably the fate of Senator Bill Nelson hanging for reelection in the hanging in the balance. Yeah, it's a fascinating race. And those, so, those, there's will... so much happening at the state level. Absolutely. And by the way, this has been. Uh, an area you you mentioned doesn't get that much attention and is so important because of redistricting that Republicans recognize the importance of it.
0: <laughs> no kidding.
1: That's why they have thirty three out of fifty governors. Democrats have been asleep at the switch there. Now this year, they're really they really are focusing on the governor's right. races
0: and Gillum and Abrams are two examples of of politicians who will immediately be rising stars in the party if they if they were to win. Totally. you know, yeah. charismatic, uh, you know, really, really going places,
1: right. Um th- th- so many, so much other news. Last night, uh, D- Donald Trump out in Montana. Uh, and uh, he was in sort of a, like a fighting mood in uh, Montana last night. Uh, and he had to recognize in the crowd was Congressman um, Greg John Forte, whom we wouldn't even know about except that uh, that's couple, probably true. A couple of nights before he was elected, he was asked a um, impertinent question, perhaps I forget what the question was, by a reporter, and John Forte slammed him, um, yeah. gave him the body slam. You would think that this is not something anybody would celebrate, but then again, we're talking about Donald Trump.
2: This was like the day of the election or just before, and I said, "Oh, this is terrible. He's going to lose the election." Then I said, "Well, wait a minute. I know Montana pretty well. I think it might help him, and it did."
1: Yeah, and then Donald Trump went on to say anybody who can body slam a guy, and he acted it out. Yep. Right? He's my kind of guy.
2: By the way, never wrestle him. You understand that? Never. Any guy that can do a body slam, he's my kind.
1: I mean, look. Kind of appalling, isn't it? I mean, the guy who also told protesters, I mean, his, his... Supporters. Supporters at his campaign rallies and... 2016, yeah. You punch out these protesters. Don't worry about it. I'll pay your legal fees. I
0: I mean, I am. Where do you go? (laughs) Always happy to come on the show and joke around and be lighthearted. I I just, I feel nothing but. uh, I just feel shocked. I mean, I just feel. I feel really disheartened by it. I mean, this is the guy who is supposed to be the who who is the leader of the free world, and, you know. I mean, to 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 basically make light of and, in fact, cheer what is, you know, a violent assault of a a reporter who, by the way, I'd have to check the tape. But my recollection is that his question wasn't particularly impertinent. And even if it was, it doesn't change it. The guy threw the guy to the ground. He broke his glasses, you know, and like, look, you know. He's fine, but it's an o- it's outrageous from the president. There yeah. so was the time
1: when you told your kids, you know, you want to grow up to be like the president of the United States. Mm. Don't say that anymore. Hey, Graham, have a good weekend. You too. <laughs> <laughs> On that God. note, thanks for coming in. It's always good to see always you. Always good to see Governing, you. Governing.com. And you have a great weekend, see too, you. folks. We'll see He's you Monday. This the Bill
3: Press Show.